This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got an excellent episode. Yes, we most certainly do. We've got Adrian Crook from yes. Five Kids One Condo.com, both of our some one of our favorite blogs. Yeah, it's a hugely um, successful blog here in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and he lives in Vancouver, obviously in Yale Town, but I, he sounds like he has quite a following uh for sure around north america and maybe even beyond and i i like it i there's always tips and it helps me uh for people that i know that are buying condos to giving advice but you probably like it for a different reason yeah I mean, well you i, have I live downtown i live a couple blocks away from adrian um you know in my case it's one kid one condo.com not not not, 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 quite, as not, not quite as impressive <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but yeah, there's three of us in a small space, you and it's see if the blog if actually one, yeah. one, I if that one exists. One, one kid, kid, one condo. <laughs> the challenges, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I go to Adrian's blog, uh, you know, just to get some ideas. Uh, right, he's got a lot of useful ways to utilize space in kind of unique ways. Right, that is fairly, you know, there's a lot of people that live downtown with kids, so that's where Adrian comes in. Yeah, well, it definitely feels like there is a generational shift happening here where we're, we're seeing a lot more families moving from Absolutely. the suburbs, from houses into condos, and they they want that kind of urban lifestyle uh, or they're comfortable with smaller spaces. And that's, I think, where Adrian kind of fills this void, right? Right. Like, yeah, and he offers a, a really strong 
clear voice for this new generation. Right, right. So, hey, what's the hardest thing about living in a condo with a kid for you? Yeah, well, the hardest thing for me, I mean, and I work a lot, so I'm not even, uh, you know, it's not like I'm there 24-7, but when I'm home uh, in a small space, it, it feels like it's in it, there's an intensity until, it basically, unless your kid, if your kid's awake, there's an intensity it's hard to get away from, and I can't imagine... You know, he's with five kids in a thousand square feet. Right. I mean, it must, uh, Where does the he, thought of it is, is exhausting. I mean, it was a joyful, don't get me wrong, you know, he'll look, these yeah. are the best years of his life, but it sounds tiring to me. Yeah. Where do you go to hide? Where do I go to hide? You know, I the go, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, and I don't think I'm alone here uh, saying that I go to the bathroom to hide. Uh, I spend a lot of time with the door locked. Yeah. Um, you know, hiding in the bathroom. Yes, so not too sitting on the sitting on the side of the tub um, uh, and just texting, uh, texting five five ten minutes. Man, that's all I need. Yeah. The problem is, is that I have one daughter. She knows how to pick the lock. It, you, the minute that door closes, no matter what, she's at the door, sliding things under the door, picking the lock, trying to get in, shaking the door handle. I mean, that's one kid. Adrian has. Five kids between the age of ages of four and ten. Yeah, wow. there's no place to hide for Adrian. Yeah, yeah. So, without further ado, our interview with Adrian Crook. Enjoy. Enjoy, guys. Okay, we're here with Adrian Crook entrepreneur, blogger of Five Kids, One Condo, and uh, housing activist, and as he said, father, most importantly. How you doing, Adrian? <laughs> Good. Thanks for having me. Hey, no, it's uh, no, it's great. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so, Adrian, maybe we'll start, as we usually do, just by having you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, as you mentioned, I'm uh, the father of five kids. We live in a thousand square foot condo here in Yale Town in Vancouver. Uh, I'm self-employed. I'm a technology entrepreneur, so I have a few companies in that area and spend a lot of time with my kids, you know, um, before and after school and, and, uh, just come off Christmas break where we spent two solid weeks together. <laughs> Good to be back at work. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I was saying before we went live, I have one kid and I'm like, yeah. and it's good to be back yeah. at work. It I, mean, was I great, really love but, you kids, but yeah, yeah, that was a lot of intensity. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. So, so we, we had you, uh, we got in touch with you cause we're big fans of your blog, uh, five kids, one condo. Um, maybe it would be great if you could just describe what your blog is, what the intent of the blog is and, and why you started it. Yeah. So it's obviously not my day job. Um, you right. know, it was something I started to kind of show people a different way of living. The, the real standard narrative in North America is that you need a single family house. You need the yard, you need, uh, you know, all that comes with that, the, the two cars in the garage and the commute and, uh, and you don't, and there's a better way. And we, we seem to treat downtown living uh, as this thing you do in your 20s when you're just a, sort of a bachelor and you're partying and that's right. all it's good for. And, and then when you get serious, you know, when you start to have a family, then you need a house and a right. minivan and all that. And you don't. And these days, uh, if you want to have that sort of vibrant, connected, healthy lifestyle, um, the places to do that are largely urban places uh, where you don't need a car and you're still connected to the to the culture. So... Really what I wanted to do is, is show people that there is this other way of living that is, is actually conversely simpler and more you know, cheaper, basically, than living out in the burbs with your two cars and a big, a big mortgage. Right. So I'd love to unpack that a little bit, but maybe first, um, 
you know, it sounds like you grew up in Port Moody. Mm-hmm. You actually lived the suburban dream mm-hmm. for a little bit, so you can speak to to both. What was? Why did you decide uh, to to move to Yale Town from North Van in the first place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, in Port Moody, and then I moved downtown when I was in my twenties and had that sort of experience. And I'm sort of shortcutting a bunch of stuff. I've lived in a bunch of other cities as well, like L.A. and Houston and Toronto and that sort of stuff. Winnipeg as well. But and Winnipeg as well, exactly. Um, uh, but then when we had our uh, second kid, we were about to have our second kid, we were like, oh, you know, now we're done with downtown and let's find that house in North Van. And we bought that, you know, like a million dollar house just off Grand Boulevard in uh, in North Vancouver there. And, you know, every part of me felt like this, this probably isn't the right decision, but people seem happy doing this. So I'll give this a shot. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I really was really kind of miserable uh, because I was all of a sudden I went from this downtown life where I could walk everywhere and access all these cool things. And, and, you know, the, the health benefits of walking are huge and uh, sure. And to a, you know, North Van where yes, technically you can walk places, but there'll be no one else on the sidewalks and, you know, there'll be cars speeding by you and, uh, and you'll have to own, you know, a car or two and drive to your job. And, and uh, you've got a big house and all that, that comes with it in terms of maintaining it. Like, I don't really feel like, you know, cleaning the gutters or replacing the roof or all that kind of stuff in my lifetime. So. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when I had the opportunity uh, at when my ex and I split up to decide how I wanted to, you know, uh, live, I decided, it took me a while to sort of reconnect with who I was and what I really wanted, but... Um, one of the huge things was this type of lifestyle, and I wanted to show my kids this type of lifestyle. Right. I was going to say, can you speak to some of the the advantages of living in a smaller space downtown mm-hmm. uh, with five kids? Um, yeah. And I was going to actually ask about some of the negatives, but it sounds like you're pretty positive. All no, I'm largely positive, yeah. obviously. Like I'm hugely, you know, it's a lot of bias. Like we rationalize our own decisions really well as humans, you know. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there are, I suppose, downsides. I mean, if you're in a house in the suburbs, you can always just let your kids right out in the backyard. Um, it's taken me a bit longer to give my kids the leash to kind of just head out the door on their right. own uh, right. out of the condo, which they do. The older kids can go and, you know, go to the coffee shop or, or go to Seven Eleven on their own now, which is great. And I saw in the blog, you actually have your kids uh, riding the bus to school by mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. I, I live downtown as well with one child who's five, so she's a little bit too young to kind well, it's of send her on her yeah. own. But right. it, that's one of the questions, and I'm sure it's uh, on the minds of some of our listeners, how, you know, that's one of the problems of living downtown or challenges yeah. is how to let your kid off the leash, I guess. Yeah, I find it easier downtown in some ways. Obviously, my biggest concern is uh, cars and traffic and just them, you know, getting hit by cars. Quite sure. Literally, that's my only concern. I'm not concerned about, you know, strangers or abductions. Those things are so statistically insignificant. And that's sort of a big recurring theme in my blog and in my life is using data to power my decisions. So looking at actual statistics about probability and not being afraid of these things that we have this visceral fear about, like like strangers and abductions and stuff that, well, you shouldn't let your kids ride the bus alone. That's very dangerous. Well, right. you know, like four, four people a year in the States die in bus accidents, you know, and we're supposed to like 40,000 a year in car accidents. It's... The orders, it's orders of magnitude more dangerous to operate or be around cars than it is buses. So we don't own a car. So that's a family of five without a car. And, you know, um, we have a big aspect of this is also just the sustainability aspect of it. So, you know, we're a thousand square foot condo costs us $30 a month to heat it for our electricity bills and everything. Sure. And we're not operating in a car. We probably have about $50 a month worth of, um, 
uh, transit expenses uh, when you sort of subtract out what we spend on parking, uh, or sorry, what we receive on parking, because we rent out the parking space for 150 bucks a month. So, you know, it's really cheaper and more environmentally sound to do what we're doing. So, Adrian, most, a lot of people that spend a lot of time downtown, you'll see a lot of young children. You'll see kids up to about three or four years old, likely until their parents make the decision to expand, get more space, maybe leave the downtown core. Mm-hmm. Um, how old are your kids? Are they are, are they in the age group where they're they're meeting other kids downtown? Do they have friends downtown? So the kids are ten, nine, eight, seven, and five. Uh, so they're you know that's five kids between you know ages five and ten basically. Uh, it's boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. It just happened to work out that way. Um, so do they make friends as easily downtown as they do where they go to school, which is in North Van? No. I mean, it's it's a concerted effort on my part to in, get them you know, introduced to people and set up with those type of relationships. Community centers help a lot, like uh, Roundhouse Community Center here right. in Yaletown. So spring break programs, pro D-Day programs, after school programs. So they do have friends that they connect with across those things. But I think your strongest relationships are the people you go to school with. So, you know, that is a tough thing um, just in the the setup I have where my ex and I live in two different cities and split, uh, like she lives in North Vancouver, and split um, the kids 50-50. It definitely is something that I've, you know, had to try to pay attention to is how to build their social networks um, downtown when they don't have that sort of easy crutch of school. Uh, Fortunately, we have you know, friends that have multiple kids. So there's even another Yale town family that moved here after reading my blog that has five kids in, in a, I saw them, I saw them on the, on the, on the blog. They're from Alberta, right? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. So they have kids that are pretty much the same age range. I think one of their kids is 14, but the rest are in our age range. Um, so when we, you know, we'll go and do things together, like go to the pool or do a tour of the library or, you know, and there's all of a sudden you've got like, 10 kids and you know three adults it's fantastic so. <laughs> <laughs> so apart from running the blog you've now uh seemed to have moved towards uh taking a more active uh role i guess in in the housing affordability uh, mm-hmm. crisis or discussion here in vancouver um what led you to that and the follow-up question is would you say vancouver currently is a healthy city mm-hmm. quote-unquote healthy yeah, I mean, healthy being sort of an open-ended diagnosis, I guess. Sure. So in June of uh, this past year, June of 2016, um, I attended a, a zoning um, hearing at City Hall for uh, 18th, a project at 18th and Commercial. I think it was uh, a purpose-built rental project. It was, I think it was maybe four, probably five-story uh, low-rise that had about 140, if I remember correctly, or 160 units. I can't recall. Um, and that was encountering a lot of neighborhood opposition, as many multifamily projects do, no matter how modest in this city and cities all over North America. And this is like a North American movement, this YIMBY, yes, in my backyard movement versus NIMBY, uh, right. no, in my backyard. Uh, and it's a purely a product, this NIMBY movement, the, the no, in my backyard movement is purely a product of, of math. You know, we've zoned so much of Vancouver to be only single family housing. 80% of Vancouver is zoned for single family and only 30% of its residents live on that land. That what you're left with is, are these spot rezoning hearings um, the, and neighborhood opposition that just does not want their single family neighborhood changed, even if... You know, we look at some of the most beautiful neighborhoods, like up in the the Camby, uh, sort of uh, between Camby and Maine, there around 18th, and you've got like these four story 
uh, old like pre nineteen forty uh, apartment buildings that are part of the neighborhood character. Sure, but nobody wants those now for some reason. You mm-hmm. know, so we've sort of collectively lost our minds and think that uh, only single family housing is the way to go for the way forward, and that's not the way it's been historically, and it can't be the way it is going forward because we just don't have enough land to house everybody that way. So Abundant Housing Vancouver is about uh, encouraging smart density. And that's uh, an organization you're involved in with. Yeah, exactly. So that in the, out of, coming out of that June hearing, uh, a few of us um, that were on the YIMBY side uh, decided that we wanted to form a, a better group to tackle these issues in a more strategic way. So Abundant Housing Vancouver, and you can see that at AbundantHousingVancouver.com. Um, that's what we do, and we welcome other people to join us to basically uh, take a look at how we can support individual developments, but also what we can do from a systemic uh, perspective to encourage uh, the city and the province to um, get rid of this sort of what we call like snob zoning, you know, like this zoning as class warfare, where you have like people zoning to exclude other people from their neighborhoods. Right. Yeah. Which is what's happening right now. Well, it's funny. We've had primarily academics on like UBC sociologist, Nathan Louster, um, and great stuff. Yeah. And also Tom Davidoff is called, uh, for density. So it sounds like you're, you're right on, on the same page with those, those folks. Yeah. I don't know Nathan personally, but, um, our group, uh, loosely includes Tom. I don't know if I want to say that he's a member of our group, but he, uh, we talk to him a lot because we're very closely, uh, aligned in what we're looking uh, to get going in the city. Right. Uh, and and your call for density, just so I'm clear, is less about um, condo development and more about actual rentals, correct? So to be clear, uh, the group Abundant Housing Vancouver is very much pro-supply, at least where it doesn't lead to gross displacement of, you know, existing residents. Sure. So if you've got a parking lot and, you know, like right now, I think there's a, a fight about 105 Kiefer. Um, and that is right now a parking lot, and there's a fight about uh, a neighborhood group doesn't want it to be built because it's mostly market condos. You know, it's a bit dicey because of the historic nature of Chinatown, um, but I still say that, you know, housing is better than parking. Like, we don't need housing for cars, we need housing for people. It sounds like a good placard. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we've got a lot of free housing for cars. I mean, it's really cheap. It's the cheapest real estate we have in this city. You sure. Know? You can rent it for like a dollar an hour. It's incredible. I want to build a house on it, you know? <laughs> so this, the, we, we make a lot of weird choices in, um, in North America about what's important. Uh, but yeah, um, my personal bent is purpose-built rental because, uh, I, as a individual probably can't afford or don't really want to own, um, for whatever reason, it's, it's just more straightforward if I can call someone and have my fridge replaced if it's on the fritz and I don't want all the responsibility that comes with owning. It just, you know, makes my life a little harder. Sure. So I'm purpose, and also purpose-built rental means that I don't have to, I can have housing security without having to come up with a huge down payment and the mortgage and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if we can get more housing, whether it's purpose-built rental or market condos for families in the city, we'll be in a much healthier place than we are now. And back to your healthy city question, Mm -hmm. we're totally not healthy right now. I mean, we're healthy from an environmental perspective. But from a market perspective, it's uh, it's very unhealthy. And that recent study about two-thirds of families wanting to leave in the next, what is it, three or five years or something, um, I think that just points to the, the unaffordability of Vancouver as a place for families right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, we need, you know, I think we're at 0.2% uh, in some neighborhoods of uh, rental vacancy rate and 0.6% in Vancouver. Uh, and it should be around 3 to 5% is, I think, what's healthy. So we've got a long ways to go if we're going to increase supply to those levels. 
Okay. So moving back to towards uh, the blog and, and what you tackle in the blog, one, one of the things that I find really interesting about it is that your because your background's in tech, um, or at least more so than ours, yeah. uh, you 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 make suggestions about um, apps and and ways to to utilize technology in a way to help ease or make your life more simple. Um, you're a minimalist, a self-described minimalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, what I said to you before we went live is most of the minimalists or self-described minimalists I know are kind of back to nature types, um, you know, not interested in the latest technology. You seem to be a little bit uh, different. Um, two questions towards that. And one is, um, how do you see technology um, improving your life as kind of an urban dad with mm-hmm. with five kids and two do you have any <laughs> tips yeah. in, in that regard yeah I, I know what you mean about the you know the back to nature type of uh, minimalist versus what i am uh, and when you said i'm sort of a self-described minimalist i would uh, you know there's no way for you to know this but i would say that's wrong like i i started to do what i was doing and blog about it and then had people call me a minimalist uh because i you know it was something that i didn't even realize was uh, I was doing. If I look back, that's the way I've always lived. Like mm-hmm. you can see, the first apartment I had in Yale Town in 1999. It was at uh, 1008 Camby Waterworks Building. I remember taking the plastic off the toilet. It was the first one in that particular unit. And if you look back at the photos from that, and that's in my mid early 20s, it uh, it looks like an IKEA showroom. Like I, obviously, I was a minimalist back then too. I just didn't know it. Right. And it comes from this desire to sort of strip away stuff that's going to cost me time or effort to uh, maintain, like, um, or money to maintain. And I don't really want to spend my time maintaining things. I want to spend it with kids. I want to spend it doing stuff. So that's uh, that's what I've done with, um, you know, with five kids in one condo is sort of try to explain why uh, it's more beneficial to live simply so you can spend your time in, in other ways. So even things like not owning a car, like the, the after, you know, what it takes to run a car in North America is like about eight to $12,000 a year of after-tax income. You can do a lot with that money if you don't need to, Sure, you know, if you don't need to earn, let's say, sixteen, seventeen thousand $17,000 before tax every year just to pay for a car. You can go on a couple amazing, sweet trips, you know, <laughs> like, so... Um, so yeah, I'm that type of minimalist that is more sort of a functional minimalist than an aesthetic minimalist. So uh, I, my place will never be in like Dwell Magazine. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, but it's minimalist in as much as I don't have to think about maintaining it. It's very straightforward and lets me just spend my time where I want to. And we should say you have uh, an open house tour of your of your home on your site, mm-hmm. and uh, and some blog posts about um, you know moving the TV, the, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. cart. There, I was looking yeah. at. I mean, you have yeah. some pretty neat ideas. So, if people are interested, they should check that out. Yeah. So, Adrian, your your lifestyle, some would consider it radical in a lot of ways and you've put yourself out there uh with your blog and it's quite a popular blog have you heard some critiques from people what are some of the critiques you've heard oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh i mean tangentially i often get spouses of people writing and asking how what arguments they can give their significant other to convince them to ammunition yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly oh i don't want to get into this um but I think, you know, often it's just a, a difference between like suburban and urban living and you get people who are, I don't know, maybe they're threatened that they there's another way to do this or something, but they'll, um, I think the, the common thing is like, well, this is just what you prefer. 
and I prefer a house and two cars. And we can sort sure. of, you know, it's tomato, tomato. We can agree to disagree. And it's like, <laughs> I, that drives me a little insane because it's not tomato and tomato. Some things are uh, empirically better. And much of what I'm doing is data-driven. I mean, virtually all of it. And when you look at the data in terms of uh, sustainability, what it costs the city to service my house versus yours, uh, what we pay um, and use consequently for energy versus what you pay, it's you know five to ten times more what you pay. We don't own a car. Uh, we are, are you know the health outcomes from walking are you know proven time and time again. The health outcomes from not commuting are proven time and time again. Like there's just a long, long list of things that mean you're going to live longer, be happier, have more time with your kids, uh, have more money in, in your you know pocket. I, it's very hard. Like, so when you asked me before, like, well, what are the downsides? Yeah, there are probably the odd little downside. Sure. But overall, this is, if you can get over your ego of like not having a big house and not having two cars that are, you know, two fancy late model cars that you're hemorrhaging cash on, this is a better way to live. And, sure. you know, if, if you're embarrassed getting on a bus or something silly like that, then go ahead and pay your, you know, $500 a month car payment to solve that embarrassment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and... There's a larger kind of philosophical. You mentioned when we were before we went live here. There, mm-hmm. there is a larger sort of philosophical um, push mm-hmm. that that drives you as well, right? Can you speak a little bit to that? Because I think it's, it's super interesting. Yeah, I mean, we anyone who's a parent knows that our kids model us. You know, everything we do, the bad word we accidentally say, they're saying the next day. Sure, <laughs> you know, so they're watching everything we do, and uh, I want to show them. Uh, a way of life that they're quite frankly more likely to live than the single family home and two cars. You know, our, our parents had a better quality of life than we did. And we're the first generation that has a lower quality of life than our parents. And I just don't see any reason to believe why our kids will have a higher quality of life or, or sort of standard of living, let's say in terms of measured by things, I think they could have a higher quality of life. Sure. Um, than we do because, uh, it's just, you know, Employment is going uh, a different direction than it has. Wages are fairly stagnant. Wages are stagnant. Yeah, you get a little, more and more automation, so fewer and fewer jobs. We're headed towards that gig economy where uh, everything's just part-time contract. Uh, so you really need to be more of like a renaissance person uh, assembling like a, a, a bag of services that you can offer people in the future, none of which that are likely to pay you you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So my kids will need to be adaptable and uh, and robust and resilient kids and not expect that they're going to have a house with two cars and uh, and that, that if they not have that they're failing so if they see their dad living you know in a happy way that lets them spend a lot of time with me and you know in a really healthy manner out and about town walking around we walk like 10,000 steps a day usually uh, as a family that includes like a four-year-old um, well, he's almost five, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like I think that's hugely beneficial because they'll go into their adult life, um, with a better set of expectations than if they, you know, everything's, you know, gilded for them basically sure. and they're on gold thrones their whole life. Fair enough. So if, if people are in, enticed, obviously we'd say check out your blog, mm. uh, but for our listeners, any tips, uh, for people looking to kind of at least move a little bit in the direction of, of the lifestyle that you're, uh, you're living here in Yaletown? Yeah, like if you're a homeowner right now and you're living in the burbs and you want to try uh, the downtown life, why not just rent your place out for a year and uh, rent a place downtown? You know, like you don't have to go all in. Um, give it a shot and see what you like and what you don't like. And I think 
if you can get over that mental barrier of the smaller place and maybe just treat it as like a little vacation, like you're just, uh, you're going to spend six months or a year somewhere else and, and see what that's like. Uh, I think you'll be surprised. Um, you know, as far as what we actually need, it's funny. I'd like to tell people like, you know, who live in say a house that might be three or four times the size of my house that like your kids are probably not three or four times the size of my kids. So <laughs> what is it? Like, why do you need that larger house? You know, like, <laughs> well, maybe they are. Yeah, exactly. But it's most likely your stuff, you know, like something like 66% of, uh, of U.S. garages are so full of crap that they can't fit a car in them. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why we have houses, just to warehouse all of our nonsense, really. And so think about the price of warehousing that nonsense. Right. Yeah. So last, Adrian, if people want to reach out to you, how, how can they find you? I'm at 5kids1condo.com. So that's a number five kids, number one, condo.com. And uh, my uh, pro housing group is abundanthousingvancouver.com. Fantastic. Definitely check that out. And uh, thanks again, Adrian. Great. Thanks a lot. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Adrian Crook from 5kids1condo.com. I'm a huge fan of Adrian's, a super articulate guy. He's definitely a clear thinker. Yeah, he knows he knows what he thinks and he knows why he thinks it. So, And that's what makes him such a compelling compelling guest. For um, sure. So if you haven't read his blog, go check it out. It's, uh, it's one of the better blogs in Vancouver for sure. That's most certainly And I think he's getting national attention. So yeah. that's, uh, it's excellent. Yeah, and it was great having him on the on the show. So, and the other thing we want to talk about is right. we are still hiring. Yeah, um, we're hiring. So check out our Facebook page tomorrow, which is Thursday, January nineteenth. We're gonna right, have a right, live right. post. Uh, if you have any friends that you think it, it would be a good fit, if it's a great fit for you, we'd love to hear from you. Sure. And yeah, if you have. Any questions about the job or anything real estate related, do not hesitate to get in touch. Yeah, uh, we, we appreciate those you. people that we've already yeah. heard from. Thank you. Uh, thanks for reaching out. And Matt, Absolutely. how can people get a hold of you? 778-847-2854 or matt at scalinarealestate.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at scalinarealestate.com. And we also have that nonpartisan line. Info at scalinarealestate.com. Okay, guys, have a great week. Yeah, thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? 
Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs> 